0: Chapter 2.16, Part 2 of Personal Narrative of Travels to the Equinoctial Regions of America during the years 1799 to 1804, Volume 2, by Alexander von Humboldt. Translated by Thomasina Ross. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2.16 Part 2. Since the increase of agricultural industry in the valleys of Aragua, the little rivers which run into the lake of Valencia can no longer be regarded as positive supplies during the six months succeeding december they remain dried up in the lower part of their course because the planters of indigo coffee and sugar-canes have made frequent drainings aziquias, in order to water the ground by trenches we may observe also that a pretty considerable river the river pau which rises at the entrance of the llanos at the foot of the range of the hills called la galera Heretofore mingled its waters with those of the lake by uniting with the Cano de Camburi on the road from the town of Nueva Valencia to Guigua. The course of this river was from south to north. At the end of the seventeenth century, the proprietor of a neighboring plantation dug at the back of the hill a new bed for the Rio Pao. He turned the river, and after having employed part of the water for the irrigation of his fields, he caused the rest to flow at a venture southward following the declivity of the llanos. In this new southern direction the River Pau, mingled with three other rivers, the Tanaco, the Guanarito, and the Chilua, falls into the Portuguesa, which is a branch of the Apure. In this new southern direction the River Pau, mingled with three other rivers, the Tanaco, the Guanarito, and the Chilua, falls into the Portuguesa, which is a branch of the Apure. It is a remarkable phenomenon that by a particular position of the ground, and the lowering of the ridge of division to the southwest, the river pau separates itself from the little system of interior rivers to which it originally belonged and for a century past has communicated through the channel of the apure and the orinoco with the ocean what has been here effected on a small scale by the hand of man nature often performs either by progressively elevating the level of the soil or by those falls of the ground occasioned by violent earthquakes it is probable that in the lapse of ages several rivers of sudan and of new holland which are now lost in the sands or in inland basins will open for themselves a course to the shores of the ocean we cannot at least doubt that in both continents there are systems of interior rivers which may be considered as not entirely developed and which communicate with each other either in the time of great risings or by permanent bifurcations the river Pau has scooped itself out a bed so deep and broad that in the season of rains when the cano grande de camburi inundates all the land to the northwest of guigua the waters of this cano and those of the lake of valencia flow back into the rio pau itself so that this river instead of adding water to the lake tends rather to carry it away we see something similar in north america where geographers have represented on their maps an imaginary chain of mountains between the great lakes of canada and the country of the miamis at the time of floods the waters flowing into the lakes communicate with those which run into the mississippi and it is practicable to proceed by boats from the sources of the river st mary to the wabash as well as from the chicago to the illinois these analogous facts appear to me well worthy of the attention of hydrographers the land that surrounds the lake of valencia being entirely flat and even a diminution of a few inches in the level of the water exposes to view a vast extent of ground covered with fertile mud and organic remains. Note. This I observed daily in the Lake of Mexico. End of note. In proportion as the lake retires, cultivation advances toward the new shore. These natural desiccations, so important to agriculture, have been considerable during the last ten years, in which America has suffered from great droughts. Instead of marking the sinuosities of the present banks of the lake, I have advised the rich landholders in these countries to fix columns of granite in the basin itself in order to observe from year to year the mean height of the waters the marquis del toro has undertaken to put this design into execution employing the fine granite of the sierra de mariara and establishing limnometers on the bottom of nice rock so common in the lake of valencia it is impossible to anticipate the limits more or less narrow to which this basin of water will one day be confined when an equilibrium between the streams flowing in and the produce of evaporation and filtration shall be completely established the idea very generally spread that the lake will soon entirely disappear seems to me chimerical if in consequence of great earthquakes or other causes equally mysterious ten very humid years should succeed to long droughts if the mountains should again become clothed with forests and great trees overshadow the shore and the plains of aragua we should more probably see the volume of the waters augment and menace that beautiful cultivation which now trenches on the basin of the lake. While some of the cultivators of the valleys of Aragua fear the total disappearance of the lake, and others its returns to the banks it has deserted, we hear the question gravely discussed at Caracas, whether it would not be advisable, in order to give greater extent to agriculture, to conduct the waters of the lake into the Llanos by digging a canal toward the Rio Pau, the possibility of this enterprise cannot be denied, particularly by having recourse to tunnels or subterranean canals. Note, the dividing ridge, namely, that which divides the waters between the valleys of Aragua and the Llanos, lowers so much toward the west of Guigua, as we have already observed that there are ravines which conduct the waters of the Cano de Camburi, the Rio Valencia and the Guataparo, in the time of floods to the Rio Pau. But it would be easier to open a navigable canal from the lake of valencia to the orinoco by the pau portuguesa and the apure than to dig a draining canal level with the bottom of the lake this bottom according to the sounding in my barometrical measurements is forty toises less than two hundred and twenty-two or one hundred and eighty-two above the surface of the ocean on the road from guigua to the llanos by the table-land of la Vía de cura i found to the south of the dividing ridge and on its southern declivity no point of level corresponding to the one hundred and eighty-two toises except near san juan the absolute height of this village is one hundred and ninety-four toises but i repeat that farther toward the west in the country between the cano de Camburi and the sources of the rio Pau, which i was not able to visit the point of level of the bottom of the lake is much further north end of note the progressive retreat of the waters has given birth to the beautiful and luxuriant plains of maracay cura mocundo guigua and santa cruz del esteval planted with tobacco sugar-canes coffee indigo and cacao but how can it be doubted for a moment that the lake alone spreads fertility over this country if deprived of the enormous mass of vapour which the surface of the waters sends forth daily into the atmosphere the valleys of aragua would become as dry and barren as the surrounding mountains the mean depth of the lake is from twelve to fifteen fathoms the deepest parts are not as is generally admitted eighty but thirty-five or forty deep such is the result of soundings made with the greatest care by don antonio manzano when we reflect on the vast depths of all the lakes of switzerland which notwithstanding their position in high valleys almost reach the level of the mediterranean it appears surprising that greater cavities are not found in the bottom of the lake of valencia which is also an alpine lake the deepest places are between the rocky island of burro and the point of Cana Fistula, and opposite the high mountains of Mariara. But in general, the southern part of the lake is deeper than the northern. Nor must we forget that, if all the slopes be now low, the southern part of the basin is the nearest to a chain of mountains with abrupt declivities. And we know that even the sea is generally deepest, where the coast is elevated, rocky, or perpendicular. The temperature of the lake at the surface, during my abode in the valleys of Aragua, in the month of February, was constantly from 23 to 23.7 degrees, consequently a little below the mean temperature of the air. This may be from the effect of evaporation, which carries off caloric from the air and the water, or because a great mass of water does not follow with equal rapidity the changes in the temperature of the atmosphere, and the lake receives streams which rise from several cold springs in the neighbouring mountains. I have to regret that, notwithstanding its small depth, i could not determine the temperature of the water at thirty or forty fathoms i was not provided with the thermometrical sounding apparatus which i had used in the alpine lakes of salzburg and in the caribbean sea the experiments of saussure prove that on both sides of the alps the lakes which are from one hundred and ninety to two hundred and seventy-four toises of absolute elevation note, this is the difference between the absolute elevations of the lakes of geneva and tun have, in the middle of winter, at 900, at 600, and sometimes even at 150 feet of depth, a uniform temperature from 4.3 to 6 degrees. But these experiments have not yet been repeated in the lakes situated under the torrid zone. The strata of cold water in Switzerland are of an enormous thickness. They have been found so near the surface in the lakes of Geneva and Bienne that the decrement of heat in the water was one centesimal degree for ten or fifteen feet that is to say eight times more rapid than in the ocean and forty-eight times more rapid than in the atmosphere in the temperate zone where the heat of the atmosphere sinks to the freezing point and far lower the bottom of a lake even were it not covered by glaciers and mountains covered with eternal snow must contain particles of water which having during winter acquired at the surface the maximum of their density between 3.4 and 4.4 degrees, have consequently fallen to the greatest depth. Other particles, the temperature of which is plus 0.5 degrees, far from placing themselves below the stratum at 4 degrees, can only find their hydrostatic equilibrium above that stratum. They will descend lower only when their temperature is augmented 3 or 4 degrees by the contact of strata less cold. If water in cooling continue to condense uniformly to the freezing point, there would be found in very deep lakes and basins having no communication with each other whatever the latitude of the place a stratum of water the temperature of which would be nearly equal to the maximum of refrigeration above the freezing point which the lower regions of the ambient atmosphere actually attain hence it is probable that in the plains of the torrid zone or in the valleys but little elevated the mean heat of which is from twenty five point five to twenty seven degrees the temperature of the bottom of the lakes can never be below twenty-one or twenty-two degrees. If in the same zone the ocean contain at depths of seven or eight hundred fathoms, water the temperature of which is at seven degrees, that is to say, twelve or thirteen degrees cooler than the maximum of the heat of the equinoctial atmosphere over the sea, I think it must be considered as a direct proof of a submarine current carrying the waters of the pole toward the equator. Note. It is almost superfluous to observe, that I am considering here only that part of the atmosphere lying on the ocean between 10 degrees north and 10 degrees south latitude. Toward the northern limits of the torrid zone, in latitude 23 degrees, whither the north wind brings with an extreme rapidity the cold air of Canada, the thermometer falls at sea as low as 16 degrees, and even lower. End of note. We will not here solve the delicate problem as to the manner in which, within the tropics and in the temperate zone, for example in the Caribbean Sea and in the lakes of Switzerland. These inferior strata of water, cooled to four or seven degrees, act upon the temperature of the stony strata of the globe which they cover, and how these same strata, the primitive temperature of which, within the tropics 27 degrees, and at the lake of Geneva 10 degrees, react upon the half-frozen waters at the bottom of the lakes and of the equinoctial ocean. These questions are of the highest importance, both with regard to the economy of animals that live habitually on the bottom of fresh and salt waters and to the theory of distribution of heat in lands surrounded by vast and deep seas. The lake of Valencia is full of islands which embellish the scenery by the picturesque form of their rocks and the beauty of the vegetation with which they are covered, an advantage which this tropical lake possesses over those of the Alps. The islands are fifteen in number, distributed in three groups without reckoning Moro and Cabrera, which are already joined to the shore. Note. The position of these islands is as follows. Northward, near the shore, the Isla de Cura. On the southeast, Burro, Horno, Otama, Soro, Caiguira, Nuevos Peñones, or the aparecidos On the northwest, Cabo Blanco, or Isla de Aves, and Chamburg. On the southwest, Bruca and Culebra. In the centre of the lake rise like shoals or small detached rocks vagra Freyla, panasco and panda azucar end of note they are partly cultivated and extremely fertile on account of the vapours that rise from the lake burro the largest of these islands is two miles in length and is inhabited by some families of mestizos who rear goats these simple people seldom visit the shore of Macondo. to them the lake appears an immense extent they have plantains cassava milk and a little fish a hut constructed of reeds hammocks woven from the cotton which the neighbouring fields produce a large stone on which the fire is made the ligneous fruit of the tutuma the calabash in which they draw water constitute their domestic establishment an old mestizo who offered us some goat's milk had a beautiful daughter we learned from our guide that solitude had rendered him as mistrustful as he might perhaps have been made by the society of men the day before our arrival some hunters had visited the island they were overtaken by the shades of night and preferred sleeping in the open air to returning to mukundo this news spread alarm throughout the island the father obliged the young girl to climb up a very lofty zamang or acacia which grew in the plain at some distance from the hut while he stretched himself at the foot of the tree and did not permit his daughter to descend till the hunters had departed the lake is in general well stocked with fish though it furnishes only three kinds, the flesh of which is soft and insipid, the Guavina, the Vagra, and the Sardina. The two last descend into the lake with the streams that flow into it. The Guavina, of which I made a drawing on the spot, is twenty inches long and 3.5 broad. It is perhaps a new species of the genus Erythrina of Gronovius. It has large silvery scales edged with green. This fish is extremely voracious and destroys other kinds. The fisherman assured us that a small crocodile, the bava, which often approached us when we were bathing, contributes also to the destruction of the fish. Note, the bava, or bavia, is very common at Bordones near Cumana, See volume 1. The name of bava, baveuse, has misled Monsieur Dupont. He takes this reptile for a fish of our seas, the Blenius folus, voyage à la terre ferme. The Blenius folus, smooth blenny, is called by the French baveuse slaverer in spanish baba end of note. we could never succeed in procuring this reptile so as to examine it closely it generally attains only three or four feet in length it is said to be very harmless its habits however as well as its form much resemble those of the alligator Crocodilus acutus it swims in such a manner as to show only the point of its snout and the extremity of its tail and places itself at midday on the bare beach it is certainly neither a monitor the real monitors living only in the old continent nor the sauvegarde of sipa la certe tigejuin which dives and does not swim it is somewhat remarkable that the lake of valencia and the whole system of small rivers flowing into it have no large alligators though this dangerous animal abounds a few leagues off in the streams which flow either into the apure or the orinoco or immediately into the caribbean sea between porto cabello and la guayra in the islands that rise like bastions in the midst of the waters, and wherever the rocky bottom of the lake is visible, I recognized a uniform distribution in the strata of gneiss. This direction is nearly that of the chains of mountains on the north and south of the lake. In the hills of Capabanco, there are found among the gneiss angular masses of opaque quartz, slightly translucent on the edges, and varying from grey to deep black. This quartz passes sometimes into Hornstein, and some time into Kieselscheifer, Schistos jasper. I do not think it constitutes a vein. The waters of the lake decompose the gneiss nice by erosion in a very extraordinary manner. Note. The water of the lake is not salt as is asserted at Caracas. It may be drunk without being filtered. On evaporation, it leaves a very small residuum of carbonate of lime, and perhaps a little nitrate of potash. It is surprising that an inland lake should not be richer in alkaline and earthy salts acquired from the neighboring soils. End of note. I have found parts of it porous, almost cellular, and split in the form of cauliflowers, fixed on gneiss, perfectly compact. Perhaps the action ceases with the movement of the waves and the alternate contact of air and water. The island of Schaumburg is remarkable for its height. It is a rock of gneiss, with two summits in the form of a saddle, and raised two hundred feet above the surface of the water. The slope of this rock is barren, and affords only nourishment for a few plants of Clusia with large white flowers. But the view of the lake and of the richly cultivated neighboring valleys is beautiful, and their aspect is wonderful after sunset, when thousands of aquatic birds, herons, flamingos, and wild ducks, cross the lake to roost in the islands, and the broad zone of the mountains which surrounds the horizon is covered with fire. The inhabitants, as we have already mentioned, Burn the meadows in order to produce fresher and finer grass. Graminous plants abound, especially at the summit of the chain, and those vast conflagrations extend sometimes the length of a thousand toises, and appear like streams of lava overflowing the ridge of the mountains. When reposing on the banks of the lake to enjoy the soft freshness of the air in one of those beautiful evenings peculiar to the tropics, it is delightful to contemplate in the waves as they beat the shore, the reflection of the red fires that illumine the horizon. Among the plants which grow on the rocky islands of the Lake of Valencia, many have been believed to be peculiar to those spots, because till now they have not been discovered elsewhere. Such are the paw trees of the lake and the tomato of the island of Cura. Note. The tomatoes are cultivated, as well as the paw tree of the lake, in the botanical garden of Berlin, to which I had sent some seeds. End of note. The latter differs from Arsalanum lycopersicum. The fruit is round and small, but has a fine flavor. It is now cultivated at La Victoria, at Nueva Valencia, and everywhere in the valleys of Aragua. The pawpaw tree of the lake, papaya de la Laguna, abounds also in the island of Cura and at Cabo Blanco. Its trunk shoots higher than that of the common pawpaw, Carica papaya, but its fruit is only half as large, perfectly spherical, without projecting ribs, and four or five inches in diameter. When cut open, it is found quite filled with seeds, and without those hollow places which occur constantly in the common pawpaw. The taste of this fruit, of which I have often eaten, is extremely sweet. Note. The people of the country attribute to it an astringent quality, and call it tapaculo. end of note. I know not whether it be a variety of the carica microcarpa described by Jacquin. The environs of the lake are insalubrious, only in times of great drought. When the waters in their retreat leave a muddy sediment exposed to the rays of the sun the banks shaded by tufts of cocoloba barbadensis and decorated with fine liliaceous plants note pancratium undulatum amaryllis nervosa end of note remind us by the appearance of the aquatic vegetation of the marshy shores of our lakes in europe we find there pond wheat chara and cat's tail three feet high which it is difficult not to confound with the typha angustifolia of our marshes. It is only after a careful examination that we recognize each of these plants for a distinct species Potamageton tenuifolium, Chara Compressa, Typha tenuifolia, end of note peculiar to the new continent. How many plants of the Straits of Magellan, of Chile, and the Cordilleras of Quito have been formerly confounded with the productions of the northern temperate zone owing to their analogy in form and appearance the inhabitants of the valleys of aragua often inquire why the southern shore of the lake particularly the southwest west part toward los aguacotes is generally more shaded and exhibits fresher verdure than in the northern side we saw in the month of february many trees stripped of their foliage near the hacienda de cura at mocundo and at guacara while to the southeast of valencia everything presaged the approach of the rains I believe that in the early part of the year, when the sun has southern declination, the hills around Valencia, Guacara, and Cura are scorched by the heat of the solar rays, while the southern shore receives, along with the breeze, when it enters the valley by the Abra de Porto Cabello, an atmosphere which has crossed the lake and is loaded with aqueous vapor. On this southern shore, near Guaruto, are situated the finest plantations of tobacco in the whole province. End of chapter Two Point Sixteen. Part 2